Okay, we are picking up where we left off last time, and we are in Luke, Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Luke, chapter 5, reading from verse 12. And as you might recall, we are, we are going through the chronological life of Jesus, focusing primarily uh, through Luke as he follows chronologically, but then looking at all the other Gospels as they complement this. And Luke doesn't record everything. There are, the other Gospels record many things that, that Luke doesn't record. So, so we'll be piecing these things in as they occurred chronologically. And, and uh, so let, let me read this from Luke chapter 5, verse 12. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And he put out his hand and he touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So this portion is also <clears throat> talked about in Mark chapter 1 verse 40 and in, in Matthew chapter 8 verse 1. So there are three different co- Gospels that record this cleansing of the leper event. Now let me put this in historical context. Uh, this is what we call a messianic miracle. Uh, there were many miracles that were done throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But miracles that were done throughout the Old Testament, many Jews believed that whoever was empowered by God could perform miracles and acts of healing and deliverances and even raising of the dead. But there were some miracles that the Jews spoke of that only the Messiah would be able to carry out. Now, this is not scriptural. It's not in scripture. It's their own writings. And the reason for that is this, that from the time the law of Moses was completed, Remember, Moses wrote, wrote, attributed to him are the first five books of the Bible, and we have the law of Moses from Exodus onward. And there's so many regulations in that. Well, there's two chapters in Leviticus 14 and 15, two long chapters. Each of the chapters is over 50 verses. So you have over 100 verses that talk about what happens when a leper is healed or when a leper is cleansed of their leprosy. How, if someone was to be pronounced a leper, the, the, the priest would look and examine, and there's specific regulations for pronouncing somebody a leper. And a leper is this disease that, that propagates through the skin and eventually goes over the whole body and kills the individual over a period of years. And, and uh, leprosy right now is very easy to stop the propagation of leprosy through, through antibiotics and through penicillin. We, we, can, we can do this, but back then they didn't have it. And so, so if somebody got leprosy, they were sent away. They had to be away from the rest of society. They could no longer be in the temple. They could no longer have fellowship. And what would happen is the priest would examine them and then look at the wound over a period of time and examine it again, and we talk about if the wound is bloody, if the wound is white inside, it's, it's, it's to the next stage. So a lot of detail for the priest. Many people have been proclaimed lepers. 
And if someone was proclaimed a leper, they had to tear their clothes and they had to stay away from other people. And if people would come walking down the street, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, to let others know that there's lepers to avoid them because leprosy could spread on contact. And so they lived in their own communities, but they were separated from society. From the time that the law of Moses had been completed, there was not, there is no recorded example in the scriptures of any Jew being healed of leprosy. Now, why would God give two long chapters, Leviticus 13 and 14, if, 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 if there were, if there were no, there were to be no healings that would be demonstrated, recorded? So the priests, this was their job. But never had there been a recording of a leper, being, a Jewish leper being healed. There are two examples of lepers being healed. One of them is Miriam, Moses' sister. When Miriam and Aaron opposed Moses, God struck Miriam with leprosy. Moses cried out for her and God healed her, but that was prior to the law being completed. That was in the process over the period of many years that Moses was writing out the law. So, after the law was completed, there is reference to one man being healed of leprosy, and that's Naaman, but he was not a Jew, he was a Syrian. So there is, are no recorded examples of a Jew being healed of leprosy. So what are the priests going to do with two chapters of dealing with a, 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 a leper who has been, been cleansed? And a leper who has been cleansed is not immediately deemed cleansed. What would happen is, the priest, they would go to the priest and say, I was a leper, I am no more, I have been cleansed. And then all of their body is to be shaved, even their eyebrows. And the priest is to examine their body every day for eight days. On the first day, there are two birds offered up. On the, by the eighth day, if it looks like indeed there is no leprosy in this person's body, they are deemed cleansed of their leprosy. This is what it talks about in Leviticus 13 and 14. And there are, on the, on the eighth day, four offerings that are to be offered up on their behalf. So, because of that, there are writings which you can read today in, in the, that have been written by the rabbis that say the only one who will ever be able to cleanse a leper is the Messiah. This is a messianic miracle. We are going to see Jesus perform the three messianic miracles, the three miracles that there was never a recording of such a miracle and the rabbis themselves had written about these, that whoever performs these, it would be a testimony that this man is the Messiah. And you will see that because of this healing, something very unusual happened that didn't happen when he had healed multitudes. Remember after, after uh, um, Peter's mother-in-law was healed, many came to him to the house to be healed. But something happens after this particular healing because this is a messianic miracle and the people knew it. They knew, the rabbis had taught them that whoever comes and does this, this is a testimony of the Messiah. So it says, if, if, if one were to read in, in Mark, Mark chapter 1 verse 40 about the same occurrence, you would see that it says, Now a leper came to him imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, the, clep, the leper is not coming saying, you can heal me. He says, you can make me clean, because the thing that they had to say was, unclean, unclean. It says, then Jesus moved with compassion. That was in, this is in Mark chapter 1, verse 41. Then Jesus moved with compassion, 
stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Exactly the same thing you see in the Luke portion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. You see it in the Matthew portion, Matthew chapter 8. Again, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus did not have to touch him in order to be cleansed. We saw Jesus in Cana. A man is in in Capernaum 20 miles away. This man's uh, a child, and, and he goes and, and he, ha- he heals him. His servant, he heals him 20 miles distance. D- Jesus has demonstrated he can perform healing 20 miles away. He can perform healing just by speaking a word. But in this case, he touched the man. Because it says, it says in the Luke portion, which it doesn't say in Matthew and Mark, it says in Luke's Gospel... That in verse 12, and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold a man who was full of leprosy. Luke is a physician. Luke notes it that this man is full of leprosy, meaning it's all over his body, meaning that this man is going to die very soon. It's not just, it starts with a little spot of leprosy. But now it is spread throughout his entire body. So Luke, being the physician, records this and says he's full of leprosy. If one were to touch a leper, that one becomes unclean and has to go through a ritual of cleansing if one were to ever touch a leper. Jesus reaches out and touches this person and he's healed. And you say, well, did he touch a leper or was he cleansed of his leprosy a nanosecond before his finger touched? I don't know. But at this point it becomes absolutely irrelevant because the man is no longer a leper. Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. This is the first time the man had ever been touched by someone else for many years. And Jesus sees fit to show compassion by reaching out and touching this person. You will see the Christian community around the world reaches out in compassion. Why? Because we are driven by the example of Jesus Christ. Reaches out and touches this person. And he's healed. And then it says, after he did this, he says, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And then in in Luke chapter 5, verse 14, And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. If you were to read in the Mark portion, and it says exactly the same thing. He says, see that you say, Nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. As a testimony to them. So this word recorded in Mark is the same as recorded in in, uh, Luke, as a testimony to them. Who is them? To the priests. Same thing in in, uh, Matthew chapter 8. It says, Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So, in other words, if someone were to say, um, I have liver cancer, and I pray for them, and I say, you're healed. No one's even going to believe me. Until they go back to MD Anderson, and they do an analysis, and they say, There's no cancer there anymore. It was there, but we see it there no longer. You see what I mean? You have to have some analytical work that that proclaims that, indeed, this person is free of their cancer. It was the same with a leper. You couldn't just say the leper was cleansed until the priests went through the entire eight-day inspection process. You couldn't proclaim a cleansing. 
the proclamation had to be made by the priest. And first you had to say, I was a leper. And you ha- they had to document that this person was indeed a leper. Because for a person to be proclaimed a leper, it couldn't just be someone says, oh, there's a leper. No, that, the priest made the judgment that the person's the leper. The priest had to make the judgment of the cleansing after going through the ritual. But Jesus says as a testimony to them, to the priests. Jesus is reaching out now to the priests. He's reaching out. He cares about them. He says, this is going to be now a testimony to them. Don't bother going around and telling everybody that you've been cleansed of your leprosy because your testimony is not the thing that confirms that you've been healed. You see what I mean? You had to have this objective analytical analysis to say, indeed, this man was a leper. They look at the records and he is a leper no longer. Only then. So Jesus knew to just send this man out saying, I was a leper and I'm cleansed, doesn't really mean much. You must fulfill the letter of the law. Jesus fulfilled the letter of the written law. The written law of Moses had 613 commandments. Not 10, but 613. If you only want to you know, think about the 10, you're missing 603. There's 613 that they were to follow. And Jesus fulfilled all of this. In his lifetime. He abided by all of this. He would not abide by the teachings of men that went beyond those 613. But we'll get to that later. But you see, Jesus reached out his hand and he cleansed this person. So, so this happens and now something amazing happens. You see that something now is different. It says, verse 15 in Luke chapter 5. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of all their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. If you read in the Mark portion, it says in Mark 1.45, However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. So you see, he had healed bunches of people before after, after uh, uh, the healing of, of uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Many came and were healed. He could still enter the city, but now he's acquired a new status. He can't even enter the city. He has to stay out in the wilderness. And what does he do? He stays away and he prays. So there's a few things here. All right, so Jesus has now acquired what we might call rock star status. I mean, you've you, you got to say that, that, that uh, he's left the house. He's no longer here. You know, he's no longer in the auditorium. He's gone. Because there was such a clamoring for him. And we're going to talk about this next time, but in the next portion in Matthew, in the next portion in Matthew, it talks about... In Matthew 5, 17, it says, I'm I'm sorry, the next portion in Luke, it says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So you see, now the Pharisees had come. Because of this, the Pharisees had come to listen to him out of every town from all around, even from Jerusalem. Now remember, he's up by the Galilee. It's a four to five day walk from Jerusalem to Galilee. 
So this man had to go to the priests. The priests had to analyze him for eight days. Eight days later, he's confirmed he's healed. Now the word spreads all the way down to Jerusalem. The word to spread down to Jerusalem is going to have to take five days, four to five days. People are then going to have to walk four to five days up there. But now this is just not a small gathering. This is Pharisees even from Jerusalem have come. Why? Because this was a Messianic miracle. This was a testimony. Something that only the Messiah could do. Jesus demonstrated to them. Jesus didn't come in this hidden way. He is demonstrating to them. And he said, show yourself to the priest as a testimony to them. Jesus is reaching out. Now I want to cover some other point on this. It's interesting what Jesus does at this point. At this point, Jesus, it says, he would go into the wilderness and he would pray. In fact, in, in, uh, in Mark 135, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and he departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. That's in Mark 135. So Jesus would go to a solitary place, and he would go out and he would pray. So this is what he would do. And over here in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So all these multitudes were around him. How did Jesus handle this? He prayed. Now let me start to put this thing together for you so, so you see how profound this really is. How does a man, how does a woman... Handle success. How do you handle success? You know, Watchman Nee, the, 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 the great writer, has said, there are few things more testing than God's prospering, especially when it is obvious to all. There are few things more testing than God's prospering, especially when it is obvious to all. You think, oh, well, no, going without money, going without food, that's really testing. No, it's not. There are few things more testing than prosperity. In, in Proverbs chapter 27, look in Proverbs 27, verse 21. Proverbs 27, 21 says this, The crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, and each man is tested by the praise accorded him. So how do you test silver? You put it in the crucible. You heat it up. How do you test gold? You put it in the furnace. You heat the thing up. How do you test a man? You test him by the praise accorded him. This is hard to understand when you're young. But the older you get, you will understand this more and more. Let me give you the, the, what happens to young people when they get a lot of praise. You take an 18 or 19 year old who becomes a star in the NBA. What do they become like? What is their attitude? And I don't have to look as far as them. I know from myself. You know, I, could, I can cry out to God. God, help me in my career. God, help me with my work. And when He blesses, let me tell you what begins to move in as people start to give accolades, as you start to win awards, as you start to get your degree and think you're something because you've got a bachelor's degree. And then as you get a PhD and people start calling you doctor somebody. As you become a professor and people start referring to you as professor so-and-so. 
You know, what, 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 what slips in is this, and I know this not because of the 19-year-old basketball player just watching their lives. I know this from myself. I only have to look as far as myself. What comes in is pride, hardness, you become callous, insensitive, abrupt, bitter, blameful, angry, abrasive, discontent, unthankful, and rude. These are characteristics from my own life that I have seen. You'd think that, oh, you, you get this success, you're going to be all of a sudden thankful. Well, you can be unthankful because you didn't get that and the other thing. Become rude. You know, start speaking to people and treating them very differently. You know, when you first start out on a job, you know, you're nice to everyone and you're getting the feel of them. Then after a while, you've been there a couple years and then new people come in and you start dumping on them. Like all of a sudden, you're really cool because you've been there for two years. Same thing happens in the university. Now, I'm a sophomore now. And now these freshmen. And, oh, you're a freshman? Oh, there's the freshman coming in. You know the feeling? You know how wicked your heart is? Remember what the Pharisee said when he went to pray? He said, thank you, Lord, that I am not like other people. For example, that sinner over there. But I, you know, I pay my tithe, I fast twice a week. Thank you, Lord, that I am not like other people. If we ever start feeling as if we are not like other people, just says right across our forehead, Pharisee, Pharisee, Pharisee. We are just like other people. Pride comes in. Jesus has been healing people, casting out demons. He performs a messianic miracle, something that has never before been recorded in all of Israel since the time the law was completed. All these crowds are just going so much, he can't even enter a city. How does he handle it? He stays in the wilderness and he prays. To me, to me, this is a testimony that Jesus was much more than merely a man. Because I know what men are like. Because I know myself. If any man were to receive the accolades that Jesus was worthy of, he would come into the city and you know, sit there grandly and have them serve him and hear about how great he is. You know, when I watch football and... and you know, the running back, you know, runs into the end zone and he runs and he jumps up into the stands and everybody pats him on the head. I t- say to Shireen and my kids, I said, that's me, that's me. I jump up into the stands and everybody tells me how great I am. That's what I would do if I were a running back. I'd just jump up in the stands and, you know, Shireen mumbles, she said, yeah, you, you, you'd, you'd jump over to where the, the, uh, the, the cheerleaders were, wouldn't you? <laughs> Give me a hard time. But, but you see, this is what man does. Jesus was totally unaffected by this. There is nothing like success that will test you. You wait. One day some of you will be CEOs of companies. How will you handle this? Will you walk? Will you walk in humility? Realizing that it is God who has taken you there. You know, as you start coming up in your career, you know what happens to men? They, they start making comments to women. You know, thinking that because of my position, I can get away with this. Because of my position, I can hit up on this woman and I can do this. How do I know this? Because I know how insidious my own heart is. 
this is what happens to men. That none of this affected Jesus. How did he handle success? He went off and he prayed. Daily, I like to go and leave my office around noontime and just go and fall on my knees in the chapel and pray. This is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus handled success. Is He prayed. There is nothing as trying upon a human being as success. The crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, and man is tested by the praise accorded Him. This is how you will be tested. By the praise according you. How accorded you? How will you handle it? This is how Jesus handled it. He went into the wilderness and he prayed. He went into the wilderness and he prayed. And it says that when he would pray, he would fall upon his knees and he would say, Father, it would do you well. Not that you are commanded in Scripture to do this, but it would do you well to remember that falling upon your knees when you're with God is not a bad thing. In fact, every reference to physical position when people were praying in the Bible, almost every reference is either they were flat on their face, prostrate before God, or they were on their knees. There is one example where Solomon was dedicating the temple and he prayed standing up. There is one example where David was absolutely overwhelmed with the blessing of the Lord and he sat down and he started to pray to God. But it wasn't like you are sitting down on chairs. They didn't do this. They sat down on the ground. But other than those two references, where David sat down at this totally overwhelmed, where Solomon stood dedicating the temple, every other example of physical position in the Bible was either prostrate or on their knees. It would do you well when you are alone with God to do this. To remember from where your blessing came from. Not that you are commanded to, but it would do you well. To remember that all these blessings come from God, because I know the heart of man. And the heart of woman is no different in this respect. That the thing most testing in your life will be your success. And Jesus couldn't even enter a city. And this to me has spoken in my heart for years, that He had to be the Son of God. That nobody could do what He did. And remain so unaffected by this. Because anybody else would become abrupt, bitter, angry, unthankful. Proud, hard, callous. This is what happens. You meet these young guys who become stars in sports. Very few of them remain unaffected. Because it easily goes to your head. Easily goes to your head. I mean, it happens in high school. Look at the star football players. You know, when people are looking to them, especially when that success is evident to all. Dale Moody used to say, you want to see the real test of a man? Give him success. Give him success. That's the real test of the spirituality of a man. How will he respond to that success? This is the way Jesus responded. He went into the wilderness and he prayed. It would do us well to follow his example.
Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for the Word of God. Father, I thank You so much for this truth that Jesus performed the cleansing of the leper. It says, out of compassion, He touched the leper and He healed him. Father, thank You. Thank You that Jesus demonstrated reaching out and touching this man. Thank You, Lord, that He cared enough about the priest to send this man back to the priest as a testimony to them. Thank You, Lord, that He cares about us and He gives us testimony after testimony in our lives. And Father, I pray for these young people that as they grow, as they graduate from school and and move into positions, that You would teach them to deal properly with success. Father, as You have made them unusual in their abilities, that so few people get the opportunities that these ones here will get. Father, I pray that they would learn like Jesus did, to go off into the wilderness and pray. Father, that they would know how to handle success, and it is to pray. That you would keep them from from moving into those, those fruits of the flesh, which are bitterness, unthankfulness, pride. Father, that these young men would would see it immediately as it starts to crop up into their hearts and they would say, oh yes, I remember. Look how I'm becoming. And they would go off and they would pray. That they would fall on their knees before you and that they would pray. Father, I pray for these young women. The same for them. That they would learn to handle success properly. Not to become hard and callous like many women can become when they move into senior positions. But Father, they would be gentle and kind and thankful. Father, that they would learn to pray and to realize that all good gifts come down from You, from the Father of Light in whom there is no shifting shadow. Father, I pray for these young people that You keep them from falling into the trap that traps so many of the world. Keep them from that pride, I pray. Let us follow the example of our Lord Jesus who would go off into the wilderness in the morning hours when it was still dark and He would pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.